Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to this week's episode of Slashic Horror. If you don't know me by now, I'm your host, Leroy Cross James. Um, and last week, I talked about how I put a selection of movies on my Instagram, so you guys can choose what I talked about on the next episode, and you guys chose Vamp. However, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark was the runner-up, so I thought I would talk about it this week instead, um, as I love this movie a lot, and uh, not just the movie, but I love Elvira in general. I think she's a great character. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Elvira, she is a character that was created and is regularly played by actress Cassandra Peterson. And in the 80s, she began as a late-night horror host on a TV show called Movie Macabre. And that showed a lot of B-slash-C-slash-D-list horror movies. Um, and they were real snore-fests, as she would probably say. Um, and she would give the commentary, like, Elvira would give this hilarious commentary on how bad they were. So, you know, it's very much um, in the spirit of, um, you know, Vampira. Like, that was the inspiration for, for starting Moving Macabre with, with Elvira. And I'll talk a little bit about that in the, uh, later as well. But Elvira was a hit as a horror host and started to gain popularity with audiences, which led to her appearing on talk shows, featuring as the face of brand campaigns, and ultimately she ended up starring in her own feature movie. So Elvira herself has become a brand, and soon she had her own line of products, uh, merchandise, there was even some uh, YA novels at some point, and um, even beer, believe it or not. So, in regards to Elvira as a person, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know who she was for a very long time, and but yeah, when I when I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, her. Like I I, I know her, and you have to remember that I'm talking about her as a UK resident, and it, it's funny really because I spoke to my mum about her a while back, and she said, even if you didn't know what she did or who she was, you knew of her and you knew what she looked like, and. I believe that even though she was very much a personality in the US, in the UK she was known, but she wasn't known as well. There was um, a show she presented over here called Heavy Metal Heaven, I believe it was, in the 80s. And um, I believe we released some of her tapes, too, some of her VHS tapes that they had in the US. Um, and of course, there was, there was Mistress of the Dark, the film Mistress of the Dark. We, we had that, but I wasn't alive until 1991, so I, I can't be 100% certain on, on that. This is just based on who I've spoken to, who was around at the time, my own research. So if I'm wrong, feel free to message message me and correct me, but this is, uh, this is what I came up with. However, nowadays, especially with UK horror fans, of course, and the LGBTQ plus community, she is an icon, like a huge icon. Um, so this is how far back my memory goes of Elvira. When Netflix very, 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 very first came to the UK, um, I actually got the service straight away just because I'd heard about it in other films and I'd seen it on TV shows and I was like, oh, okay, well, if they've got it, it must be cool. Um, and <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't popular over here when it very first started. And if I'm being totally frank, the content that they had back then, it was a lot better than, for horror fans especially, a lot better than the content we have now. And, um, guess what was on there? 
yes, Mistress of the Dark amongst other um, many horror gems, which is why I really liked Netflix when they very first launched over here. So, yeah, say la vie. So it was it was one of the first things I ever watched on Netflix, and uh, I fucking loved it. Um, it was camp, it was ridiculous, it was over the top, funny, and I just fell in love with Elvira. Um, and then I started to look look her up, finding clips on YouTube of movie macabre, and you know looking at some of the facts about her as a person and her life and stuff. And um, I actually watched Elvira's Haunted Hills, the second feature movie she did, not too long after, because I, I think that was on Netflix when it very first launched over here as well. And um, for me, it, it it's okay. It just didn't have the charm of Mistress of the Dark, and I've I've only seen it a few times, and I re rewatched it again before doing this episode. Um, and it just doesn't live up to to how. And if you can hear my cat in the background, um, he agrees. Um, let me talk a little bit about Cassandra Peterson. Um, so Cassandra, at the age of fourteen, began go-go dancing. Believe it or not, and she was always she always loved dressing up, and she had like a knack for wanting to be in showbiz. That was her dream. Even before she was a, she was a go-go dancer, she would often go and stalk rock bands after gigs and go and find which hotels they were staying at with her friends, um, even going as far as to, to spend some time hanging out with, with some of them in the hotel room. So, yeah, she's even before Elvira, she, she's lived a pretty interesting life. Um, for example, when she was 17, she went to Las Vegas and she was offered the chance to become a showgirl. And back then, they really weren't that concerned about, about age and the legalities of it, so... She she got in based on her looks, um, just from sitting in the audience. And while in Vegas, she also crossed paths with the likes of Tom Jones uh, and Elvis Presley. And for those of you who are yet to read her biography, um, yours cruelly, Elvira, I won't spoil those stories for you, but some of the experiences she had in Vegas are just f fucking crazy. Um, just in general, some of the experiences that she's had are, are crazy. But eventually Cassandra got bored of being a showgirl and she travelled to Europe, um, appearing as an extra in a few Italian productions for some easy cash. Um, but she found herself struggling for money eventually. And again, she had some pretty terrifying experiences um, over there. And it wasn't long before she ended up back in the States where she started to audition for roles. And it's no surprise that casting directors took advantage of those situations and she lost a lot of work for not being willing to do certain things. Uh, between doing that, she also started to take classes at the Groundlings building, which um, includes the likes of Paul Rubens, famous for playing Pee Wee Herman, and E.D. Uh, e. McGlug, who I'm sure a lot of you will remember for playing the ditzy assistant Grace um, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I also recently um, found out, or realised rather, um, in Brian De Palma's Carrie, um, she played Helen. Um, the, you know, the girl with the, the big Deirdre Barlow glasses. For the US viewers, Deirdre Barlow's a, a UK um, soap character, but everyone in the UK will know what I mean. <laughs> but I didn't realise that was her, but yeah, it is. Uh, she looks very different. So the final straw came for Cassandra when she was up for the part in the reboot of Gilligan's Island, where um, it was it was her favourite show and it was in the midst of pre-production 
and her costumes were fitted, she was ready to go for the pilot, and then for reasons unknown, she was just dropped. Um, completely dropped out of out of a period in the show. Um, which is a good job because it, it didn't get past the pilot stage anyway. And after this, she married her now ex-husband Mark, and on the night of her wedding, her friend called to tell her about the opportunity to audition as a horror hostess for a local TV channel in LA. And by this time, she was completely fed up. She was over trying for acting roles and she just shrugged it off until her friend kept pestering her to go for the audition, which she did, thank God. And they were looking for a mortician, Morticia Adams type to fit the role. So the audition was filled with many goth girls and people dressed head to toe in black. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, Cassandra went in a bright blue dress, um, so she felt completely out of place. Um, but I, was found, I found that story quite funny when I was reading the biography, um, her biography. But by using her experience um, by improving from her, her days doing shows with the Groundlings, she added her own parts to the script she was given, and she was the last one to be seen. Uh, and ultimately, she got the role. Now... The idea was that the hostess of the show would be this new ver- version of um, Van- Vampira, sorry, Vampira, I always say Vampira, um, who was Mela Nurmi's character and was a horror hostess in the 1950s and famously had a role in Edward's Plan 9 from Outer Space. Now, Mela was set to be a, a, a producer, I believe, and Cassandra was to play this new version of um, Vampira and she perfected the, the look with her with her best friend, Robert Redding. The set was ready to go to record the first episode. And then someone told them to stop because Mayla had changed her mind and wanted nothing to do with the show and didn't give them her blessing um, until someone suggested coming up with a new name, uh, which they took from a hat. And that is how the name Alvira, Alvira came to be. Um, however, Mailer didn't stop there. She sued the station and Cassandra for her likeness, uh, despite meeting with Cassandra before the, the show even happened. She, she took a dislike to her and she made it very difficult for her to land opportunities afterwards. And when it came to, to the court date, Mailer didn't even show up. So the judge ruled in favour of Cassandra and because there was nothing to suggest that that Elvira was um, imitating Van, Van, uh, Vampire, thank God. Um, but I just always found that really unusual. Um, only for the simple fact that you would, to me, Elvira and Vampire, are, yeah, they're obviously similar. They're, they're female horror hosts with, um, you know, the, the gothic look going on, but they're, they're completely different characters. Um, they have completely different ways of how they went about um, doing that, portraying their character and doing their show. So, yeah, that's just completely foreign to me. So the first show of Movie Macabre went out in 1981, uh, where per week, Cassandra was paid, um, this is just fucking crazy, um, $350. I'll let that sink in for a minute. And even after her popularity grew up, uh, blew up, she got paid more for doing campaigns and appearances than she did for doing the show. For a while, at least. Now, that's patience and that is commitment to something like a project you're doing. Like it just—it's insane to me that that's how much she was getting paid and um, all the other endorsements that must have come out of that show. Um, 
not just for her, but for the for the the channel, for everyone involved. Where the fuck did all that money go? It's just crazy to me. Um, but anyway, even though Elvira was famous for um, her low cut neckline, um, complaints used to come in quite a lot, and she was told to hire it. But thank God she never listened because that would completely change Elvira as we know her. Now, a few years go by, Elvira is a popular personality. NBC approached her about doing a sitcom, but Cassandra and her husband decided that they wanted to do a movie first, which, to their surprise, NBC agreed to. And then the movie was to be distributed by New World Pictures. Um, and Cassandra and um, her Groundlings um, member, um, John Paragon, got to work on the script of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Uh, the original idea for Mistress of the Dark was that it would have these parallels to The Wizard of Oz, which in some ways they, they kept some of those bits in. Um, so the idea of Gonk being this version of Toto and Elvira going to this strange place where everyone's different and they're strange to her and vice versa. Also, fun fact, um, originally um, Cassandra wanted Tim Burton to direct the film, which obviously it never happened, but... You can totally see it, especially around the 80s with the likes of, you know, how he, how he did Beetlejuice. Like, you can kind of see Elvira in that sort of, that, you know, that sort of world. But either way, the film, as it stands now, I think it stands up great. Um, any, anyway, let, let me talk you through. Let me talk you through Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, the, the film from 1988. So... Elvira's a horror hostess on TV. She's she's fed up with showing these crap films and being given a tight spot to film the show. And she has plans to leave so she can star in her own show in Vegas. Um, obviously, which parallels with Cassandra's real real life. Um, and when she finally does leave the show, she has to foot the bill for her dreams in Vegas to come true. And conveniently, she receives um, an invitation to go to a town called Farwell to pick up an inheritance from her great-aunt Morgana. Um, and I love the beginning of this film, where she fantasises about being on a game show, and then she receives her inheritance and starts acting like a really over-the-top contestant. Um, I just love that bit. But anyway, Elvira jumps into the macabre mobile, um, and then the this oh, I love this song, this awesome song um, called "Once Bitten Twice Shy" by Laurie Chaco starts playing. Um, and it just sets the vibe for the whole of this film. This is something I think that as well, going back to Elvira's Haunted Hills as a, as a film, that's kind of like that. That's what it's lacking. The idea with Haunted Hills is that it's meant to be a tribute to. Uh, Vincent Price and Edgar Allan Poe, because um, Elvira, or, or Cassandra rather, was really good friends with Vincent Price. So that was like her tribute to his very loosely adapted Edgar Allan Poe sort of films. So I could understand why it doesn't have that same sort of like 80s, like janky sort of vibe. And obviously it was released in 2001. But it just, yeah, this this is what sets this movie's tone. Like this sort of like... This this song. This is what I always associate with Elvira Vicious of the Dark. And she incorporates it into, um, or she used to rather, because she doesn't do it anymore, um, Scary Knots Farm shows as well. Um, I, I believe in the last one, anyway, that's what she did. I watched it on YouTube. Yeah, but anyway, um, once a bit and twice shy is rocking out. Um, Elvira's uh, going on her journey to Farwell. 
She picks up a hitchhiker, throws him out, throws an axe at him, stops at a gas station, accidentally blows up the gas station. Um, yeah, and it's just a really fun opening, and um, it just really sets up the film. Uh, so roll the credits. Um, a couple of hilarious encounters as well. Um especially one with the police officer who says, do you know you're doing 70 in the 25 zone? <laughs> and then Elvira replies, no, but if you hum a few parts, I can fake it. I don't know why. I actually really don't get the joke, but it's just the way that she says it. It makes me laugh every time, especially afterwards when she says, I need to get a new joke because this one's costing me a fortune. Anyway, I'm not going to recite all the jokes in this film or all the puns in this film because it's, yeah. But still, that's just one of my favourites. Um, anyway, Elvira makes her way to Falwell and as soon as she arrives in town, um, she is, uh, you know, very out of place. This is a very conservative sort of, um, you know, suburban white American village sort of sort of place. Um, and the first person she bumps into is... Um, the town's councilwoman, Chastity Pariah, who is absolutely disgusted by her appearance. And she's played by the amazing Edie McGlug. Um, and, yeah, their chemistry, you can tell that they've, they've, they enjoy working with each other. Their chemistry in this film is really good. One thing I will say about Alvira Missions of the Dark, and this is what does let it down as a film to me, is that we do have all these great characters um, in the film, but because we have all of them, we have quite a lot, there's not a lot of character development. So as much as Chastity Pariah is a great example of a character, you know, this this woman who's very much for the community, for the church, and, um, you know, wants to hold, uphold the values of Orwell, she's not used enough as I think she should have been. Um, and it goes for some of the other characters in the film, like... Um, Uncle Uncle Vinny, um, he's obviously the main antagonist, but I don't know. I don't know if it's just me, but it kind of falls flat. But if you look at the film, Elvira is in pretty much, more or less, every scene in that film. So she takes up the majority of the film anyway, but all the other characters don't really get a look in. And another reason that I think that it was affected was because... In the original script, there was no kids, no teenagers, and they were added in afterwards to draw in the teenage crowd for the film, which obviously ate into other people's roles, which is probably why they're not as well developed. So Elvira finds out that she's not inherited a big amount, a large amount of money. She's not inherited anything spectacular. All she's inherited is a rundown mansion that her great aunt Morgana owned and a recipe book. Now, while she's, while it's the reading of the will, this is where she meets Uncle Vinny, as she calls him, and he is very interested in this recipe book for some reason, and she agrees to give it to him. So he comes round where um, Elvira realises that she's inherited um, Gonk, the little dog, which she gives uh, a punk rock makeover. Um, <laughs> with piercings and pink hair dye. And, yeah, Uncle Vinny's very set on getting this book, but Gonk mysteriously hides this book. So it turns out that this book is actually a spell book, and that's why Uncle Vinny's after it, because he wants wants it for himself, because he's a warlock. Dun-dun-dun. Anyway, 
Um, Elvira navigates herself around for a while. She, all the neighbourhood kids begin to obsess over her and they fall in love with her. Um, so she gets them to help her do up the house where she paints, they paint it in all these ridiculous colours uh, so that she can sell it. But obviously she has no luck. Um, but she starts to learn that um, Uncle Vinny's not what he seems. And then... Also, another side note about characters in this. In terms of her love interest, Bob, uh, Bob Redding, his full name is, in tribute to her friend uh, Robert Redding, who um, sadly passed away from AIDS. Um, and he he was very much a part of Elvira's look and creation uh, to the point where, during this film, when she had all these like, makeup artists and um, hairstylists and stuff, they just weren't capturing the the essence of what, Cassandra and Robert had built by making Elvira and she got a bit frustrated with it but that that's who Bob's named after but as a character I think he's too much of a, a sad sap too goody good, good shoes for Elvira that I don't believe that she would go for someone like him um I mean funnily enough um Brad Pitt auditioned for one of the teenage kids in this and the reason that they didn't cast him is because um, El- she thought that Elvira would completely sack off Bob for one of, this, one of these teenage kids. And ultimately that would have made Elvira look really bad uh, going after an underage kid. But there we go. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, I just, as a character, I just don't find him very, uh, very interesting. I don't know what Elvira sees in him. Anyway. Um, but they go on a couple of dates together and, um, you know, they have that, that famous scene outside the theatre where he, where he was working and he drops something on her and he says, how's your head? And she says, I haven't had any complaints yet. (laughs) I know I said I wouldn't say all the jokes, all the puns, but I had to get that one in there just because, um, it's just the most hilarious one. Um, but yeah, um. He's, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, just don't, yeah, anyway, moving on from Bob, because I'm, I'm just kind of treading over myself a little bit here, talking about him, but they, yeah, they, they, they do go on a few dates, and, um, Elvira decides that she's going to cook him something from the recipe book, which has the most unusual ingredients, when she can't understand what it says, and she thinks that she's making a casserole, but instead what she makes is this <laughs> casserole monster, but she gets an idea to get back at um, Chastity and the, the rest of the community who have been uh, been horrible to her by putting in her casserole for the potluck. Um, instead of making a monster, she basically gives them this casserole that makes them all fall in love and have sex with each other, which I found really funny. Um, but it's here that Uncle Vinny intervenes because Elvira won't give him the recipe book and um, he says that they've got to go back to the old ways and um, before you know it, Elvira's been locked up and they're going to burn her at the stake. But we also find out as well that Elvira's little dog, Gonk, um, is actually a familiar um, he's not just um, not just a dog. He can transform into a rat. He can transform into anything that he wants. Wants uh, Elvira to uh, Elvira wants him to be. So he uh, manages to escape, and um, 
while she's at the, the stake, um, she realises that the ring that she was given is also powerful. And um, this brings down the rain so that the like, flames will go out. Um, during the scene where she's at the stake as well, um, Cassandra was wearing like this flame repellent all over her. And it was making her rich, like, mad, but she couldn't do anything about it because her hands were tied behind her back most of the time. Um, I always think, though, like, considering... Because it is, obviously, it's her in, in the shot. I would be fucking terrified if I was an actor or actress, whatever. And someone said to me, oh, well, so we're just going to put you on a stake and we're just going to put these flames around you and it'll just, it'll get really hot, but we're just going to put this, like, flame repellent on you. I would be fucking terrified. I would probably say absolutely not. Like, I mean, these days they would probably just see you in anyway, but, um, I mean, I just, again, this is something else about films from the 80s and, you know, 70s, whatever, whatever era back, way back when. I have so much respect for the practical effects that they, they did or, you know, the, the stunts that they did because half of them nowadays, it would just be absolute no-no. It just would not happen. Um, I mean, obviously in this case, because um, Cassandra's not a stunt woman, I, I doubt nowadays they would probably let someone that close to a flame. I don't know. I don't know for certain. I'm not uh, in the film industry. I'm just an observer. But, yeah... Anyway, uh, after escaping the, the stake, Uncle Vinny um, reveals his true form as a warlock, where he just looks really um, ridiculous. And um, he chases Elvira around to get the, uh, to get the book. And um, we have like a lot of camp moments where half her clothes have been ripped off and then she uses her broobs to um, break through the gates of the cemetery. Um, <laughs> and then she comes out of nowhere with a bazooka. It's all ridiculous. It's a really fun climax, guys. Honestly, it's really fun. Um, but then when he tries to cast a spell on Elvira, it backfires on Uncle Vinny and um, he disappears. Now, at the end, uh, Forwell are very apologetic, even though if it was me, I'd just tell them all to F off, but that's just me. Um, they're trying to burn her at the stake. And, um, yeah, it just, uh, become, they become a nice community that accept her. Funny enough, though, we don't see, um, we don't see Chastity Pariah at the end. I think that, yeah, she gets turned into a pig, I'm sure she does. And I'm sure there's a deleted scene, um, or rather there's photos of a scene that was filmed where they all wake up in, like, this, um, like, this pigsty or something, um, or, like, with no clothes on. Um, Chastity and uh, t- two other characters, I can't remember the names. And, um, yeah, um, we we finally get uh, to see Elvira's dreams come true when she goes to Vegas and puts on a show where she... <laughs> She she uses the nipple tassel. If, if you've seen this film, you'll know what I mean. She uses the nipple tassels and does that dance, which was all Cassandra, by the way. She learned that when she was very young, so she knows how to do that, like the back of her hand. Um, and it was all this big, spectacular budget. They had this big, spectacular budget because they originally weren't going to film it because it was going to be too expensive, but Cassandra begged them and begged them and begged them, and um, NBC agreed in the end. But, yeah... Um, and that's the end of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Now, the film itself, it it didn't 
it did okay, but there was an issue with New Line, uh, not New Line, New World Pictures, and after three weeks, it was pulled from cinemas, which killed it at the box office. Um, so obviously, it didn't make back a lot like its budget. Um, but it was doing fairly well, I think, up until that point. Not amazing, but it was doing okay. Um, but it was only really, again, when it came out on VHS, like most films did um, during during the 80s, that it, it started to started to get this following and people started to watch it. And it was, um, you know, TV airings and stuff like that. So that's where Mistress of the Dark found its popularity. Which is probably why it was so hard for Cassandra to to get another film off the ground um, for a while. I mean, it was only it was only like you know over over ten years later that Haunted Hills came out, but I don't count it as a sequel to Mistress of the Dark because it's set in the eighteen hundreds. I think, um, yeah, eighteen hundreds, and it just yeah it just feels completely off to me as. A sequel to Mistress of the Dark. I mean, she's been trying for many years to get a sequel to Mistress of the Dark done. Um, I think she's pitched to Netflix. Um, I think she's pitched to Amazon, Shudder. Um, but for whatever reason, um, no one likes the idea. Um, but I've, she's recently done a couple of epic, like, m- movies of Scooby-Doo as Elvira. And that's been really popular for the Elvira brand, so possibly maybe we could see a sequel to Mistress of the Dark in animation. I think that would be a pretty cool way to go about it. Um, I mean, obviously, I think the motion picture side of it just isn't appealing to these studios, and I just think that animation might be the way to go if we were to ever ever see that happen. Um, I mean, I personally would love a feature film, but I wouldn't be opposed to an animation film of Mistress of the Dark, like a Mistress of the Dark 2, rather. But I think it's popularity with fans, and obviously Elvira's popularity with, with fans just speaks for itself. Like, I'm just surprised that it hasn't been made, to be honest. And um, I mean, this is probably, you know, probably why it's um, it's more or less recreated, or it was recreated in um, not scary farm shows. Like, there was... I watched the two. I think it was two thousand seventeen. So I think it might have been the last one that she did. Um, and it was very much like the the plot line of Mistress of the Dark minus Uncle Vinny. Um, so you know, obviously it has, you know, it it's very much loved by the fans. And Elvira is still, especially now, a brand's grown so big. Like, I was looking at some of the the merchandise that she has and all this all the things that she's done and it's just insane the the amount of branding that or the the brand that Elvira's become and you would think by now there would be not just one sequel maybe multiple movies maybe even multiple animation movies of Elvira I'm sure that I mean she's done I think it's two or three Scooby-Doo's so you know it's it's you know it speaks for itself like she's still popular she still draws in that crowd. So maybe, yeah, anyway, I'm just baffling because I'm just frustrated that we haven't had a sequel to Mistress of the Dark. And I think we need one. Like, And, you know, <laughs> time's ticking. So, you know, hopefully we will get one in the next couple of years. I mean, it's just crazy to think as well 
that Cassandra Peterson, you know, she, she's 70 years old and, you know, she she looks amazing and, but she still looks as Elvira. I mean, she looks exactly the same. It's just crazy. It's 40 years she's been doing this character. 1981 was when Movie Macabre launched. Like, that's just crazy to think that that's older than me. And she looks better than I do, and I'm only 30. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, so I think, like, like releasing the, her biography, Yours Cruelly, Elvira, last year was probably perfect timing. I mean, 40 years as one character. I mean, that's just... That's amazing. It's... I just can't get over that that's how long it's been. And, again, as I say, for, for those of you who want to read Yours Cruelly, Elvira, um, I won't spoil any big stories in it, but, um, you know... It was one probably one of the best celebrity biographies I've read because it, it gave me a lot of insight into Cassandra Peterson as a person. Um, so a lot of things that I didn't know about her, obviously, because we only really get that side of side of her as Elvira, and there's a lot that she opened up about, and a lot of it was quite quite emotional. But you know, she still had that that humor as Elvira going through the book occasionally as well, and. Obviously, she revealed that she's been in a relationship with a woman for 20 years. And, you know, it's amazing as well how much even nowadays... Because was, this was only last week that I read this article. That her coming out as bisexual, um, whatever she... We don't have to put a label on it. She's with a woman. And that's that's great. There's no need for a label on it. But, you know... She lost, like, I think it was something like 11,000 followers, which is ridiculous, just because she 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 came out that she was with a woman. And it's just mad to think in this day and age that that potentially could have hurt her Elvira brand. But in the same breath, she gained 60,000 new followers when she did come, come out. So, you know, it swings both ways um, in that respect. But... I just think that as a person, Cassandra's absolutely amazing and Elvira's obviously amazing. She's iconic and, you know, she's very much loved by the LGBTQ plus community and, you know, good on her. And, you know, I hope that there's no end in sight for Elvira yet. I think that, by the sounds of it, I think that Cassandra will continue with this character for as long as she can. I mean, before Elvira, she she had um, a couple of bit parts. Um, she was she did a bit part in Pee Wee Herman's uh, Big Adventure, as um as a biker mama. Um, and she was also in Alan Quarterman and is it the Kingdom of? I know the, there's one called King Solomon's Mind, but she was in the other one. Anyway, I've seen those movies a bunch of times. I watched them quite a lot growing up. Um, because they were always on TV. Um, even though they're like more or less mockbusters of Indiana Jones, um, even though Alan Quarterman came before Indiana Jones in literature, which just, yeah, it's really confusing, it's complicated. But um, they had Richard T- Chamberlain in them and Sharon Stone before she made it big and um, as like his companion. Uh, but she was in the second one of that, I think it was. Um, but it's just like little roles like that. You just never think that that's Elvira anyway. Like, I mean, obviously, I saw those films before I even knew who Elvira was. But, yeah, she's she's had, like, little bit parts here and there, but she's always been committed to Elvira. 
I mean, I'm sure some opportunities of work have been have been lost because of um, certain things. Like I know uh, Mayla Numeri uh, sent some pictures of Cassandra when she was younger um, doing some topless modeling. Uh, multiple shots to an executive for something and she she lost a lot of work because of that but i mean once you have a character or you have some a brand that works and alvira really did i I'm, i guess that's why she stuck with it for so long and that's why she she loves the character so much um but yeah, um, I've really enjoyed talking about Cassandra Peterson and Elvira, and I enjoyed reading yours cruelly. Um, it was honestly I can't recommend it enough. So please check it out if you haven't already. And obviously, of course, if you haven't seen Mistress of the Dark, please check that out. Um, and of course, if you don't know who Elvira, look her up. Um, you'll know exactly who she is once you see her, even if you don't know have or even if you don't have any idea what she does. So, because the last two episodes have been comedy horror films, I thought it would be a good opportunity on Instagram to ask you guys what your favourite comedy horror films were. And I got quite a lot of responses to this. So, I got one here from Dan, um, who said, Tremors, does that count? It absolutely does. Kevin Bacon, absolute classic. I got one from Nick saying Jennifer's Body, uh, one of my favourite movies, Nick. Um, I absolutely love that film. Um... And I got one from Dustin, um, from Dustin Can Read. He said Gremlins, but also the Happy Death Day series as of late. Yeah, I absolutely love um, Happy Death Day 1 and 2. I, I love the, the first one, especially like that spin on like a Groundhog Day with a slash movie was absolutely genius. Um, and the guy, I think the guy who directed those also directed Freaky, like the Freaky Friday um, slasher movie with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton from The Society. Um, I absolutely love that film as well. Um, Rich put Boy Eats Girl. Uh, I always really liked it. Um, the one with, I think that's the one with Samantha Mumba, um, the, the singer. Um, I remember that very vaguely, but it's been years since I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> another one. Black Sheep. This is from Rich as well. Uh, and another one from Rich. Uh, Ghostbusters 2016. Uh, sorry, I have a few. Uh, don't reel. <laughs> uh, got one here from Spaceman and the Doll Podcast. Tucker and Dale versus Evil or Shaun of the Dead? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> especially Shaun of the Dead. Like that, the the scene where um, he talks about going to the Winchester and having a nice cold cold pipe and waiting for it to blow over is just genius. I love that scene. Um, got one here from Jason. Uh, scary movie. It totally counts. It absolutely does. Um, funnily enough, me and Jason actually quote that film to each other sometimes. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, I've got some more here. Uh, got one from Emma, and she said, "Idle Hands." I fucking love Idle Hands. Not, not just because of the fact it's a comedy film, um, but because of my own crush on Devin uh, Sour as a kid. Uh, growing up, uh, even though he's an absolute piece of lazy shit in that film. I mean, that's the whole point. Uh, he just looks dead scruffy. But, um, yeah. Uh, Caitlin said, does teeth count? Of course, teeth fucking counts. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I always think in that, the guy that she kind of gets with in the beginning, um, 
the first one to experience the teeth. He reminds me of a Jonas brother. I don't know if that was meant to be intentional because it was released around that time. Anyway, um, I like that sink in. Um, and Damien Casey, he said, uh, too many. I, I agree. There is a lot of great comedy horror films. And the last one I'll read out for you guys is from uh, Daniel Riding. And he said all the Chucky films and the TV show. Uh, and we actually talked a little bit after when he submitted that answer. And do you know what? Like, the, the TV show, um, I absolutely... I mean, I love the Chucky films anyway. I love that comedy horror element to them. But the TV show is so good. Um, and what I love about the TV show is that the, the inclusion of these young adults has brought this really fresh, like, this really fresh perspective to the whole of the franchise. And it just makes it feel a lot fresher than it has done in so long. I mean... When they released um, Curse of Chucky um, with with uh, Fiona Dorf, um, Brad's daughter, that felt a lot darker than usual, um, and it just really worked. But it's like they've done they've kind of rebooted, not rebooted, but we energized the franchise again with this TV show. So um, if you like, if you do like Chucky and you like comedy horror, please uh, check out the TV show. It is really good. Um, as you can see, I waffle on a lot about it. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are the questions I asked you guys this week. So thank you very much for answering them. Uh, really great answers in there. Um, so guys, I will be back next week with another episode of Slash Akara. Um, I really enjoyed talking about Elvira today. Don't forget, guys, you can follow us on at Slashikhorror on Instagram and at Slashikhorror on Twitter. And if you want to ask me any questions, feel free to slide into my DMs anytime. See you next time, guys, on the next episode of Slashikhorror.